Welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online here at www.centerlefttalkradio. One word. CenterLeftTalkRadio.com. The show is up both as a uh, radio loop, which is, uh, that's the second link on our homepage, and uh, that is precisely what it sounds like. It's running in a loop 24-7. You pick it up wherever the show happens to be, Uh, and that's kind of... uh, the equivalent, as it were, of the way we did things in an analog world where you flicked on the radio that was on top of the refrigerator in the morning to hear rambling with gambling, or perhaps you were in the car with your arm around the shoulder of whomever or whomever's arm around your shoulder, who knows, in the Chevy and turned on the radio there and picked up whatever talk show was at whatever point it was. That's kind of what the radio loop uh, mechanism is all about, to let you come in, get interested in it, stick around, and yippee, it's going to repeat itself at the end of the show, so whatever you missed and whatever you were really interested in, well, you'll find the predicate for all that uh, from listening from the beginning. Or, of course, you get to listen to us as a pretty much, these days, standard podcast. That's the first link on our homepage, www.centerlefttalkradio.com. And you're listening to us via one or the other link right now. So you clearly have made a choice, and hopefully it's one that... Uh, Well, you're enjoying the show, and that's all that matters in the end. The technology, well, it's fun to talk about it, but it's there, and it works, and it's why we're out there with you here on Center Left Radio. We're glad to have you with us. Um, I I have not had a new show up uh, in over a week. It's been an exceedingly busy period for me. I, I had to do some emergency work for uh, a friend. Well, let's see. I, only a friend would get this sort of work, but but a client-slash-friend uh, who um, needed something done in a big hurry. I'm not going to get into that, but it really occupied the better part of the last week, and I, and I apologize to regular listeners uh, for having to hear me going on and on for the better part of, I think, nine days with one show up. I don't think we've gone with one show up that long uh, in quite some time. Well, we'll hopefully try to uh, avoid a repeat of that in the future. Here we are now on the 14th day of March, one short of the Ides, and um, a lot of observations. Uh, I was at a, uh, well, a lot of observations, a, 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 a single observation with a lot of source, a lot of feeding source material coming into it. I was at a friend's house. Uh, we, my wife and I were at, were at a friend's house on Sunday, uh, and and uh, he is a um, well. I'll, I'll use his name, of course, Richard Skipper, uh, who is a uh, 
something of an empresario here, uh, certainly in the cabaret world, has been one of the primary drivers, has been a performer, has been all over TV and radio, and is currently doing a talk show. What, what, Richard is everywhere. And well, with COVID, that sort of slowed down. But he's back. He's back doing stage again, and uh, he he was uh, he was you know the old. I'm trying out my act in uh, in in in, uh, in Buffalo or something. Well, it was it was the equivalent of that the other day, and Richard uh, did a uh, a one hour set. Uh, of, of music and, and, and talk and everything that he's uh, kind of taking on the road. And uh, we got together at his place afterwards, those of us who know Richard well. And uh, we were talking, and a, and, and a, funny, a funny thing happened. In, in fact, a very funny thing happened. Um, do you remember a performer, a comedian by the name of Judy Tenuta. Now, 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 now uh, and, and I'm sure as, as you're listening, you go, yeah, I know that name. Yeah, what, where, didn't she? She would appear, her, she had a skit. She, she had a persona, an act. And I, I know that she did a lot of the night talk shows. She did a lot of, uh, a lot of that circuit. She was, she was hilarious is what she was. And what Judy did was she had, she had an accordion that she would carry with her, and, and she would basically do this over-the-top, outrageous kind of, and her voice would do things like this, and she would do her comedy and do little tiny bits of, and she would constantly um, insert little, the, the equivalent of a, you know, a drum roll thing would be what she would do with her accordion. She would kind of accent herself. I'm trying to remember if I ever heard her actually play the accordion. Um, well, well, Richard had interviewed her, and he, he does a lot of, uh, Richard Skipper had interviewed her on a show, uh, I guess about two years ago, during COVID, and he does this interview show with many, many people in the business in the course of a, of a, given, uh, a given week, and, and it's all up online. And, uh, and we, were, we were at the house, and again, her name came up uh, in the context of outrageous performers. And, 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 the, and the context was even more refined than that. It was people who were utterly hilarious to all of us, who we would all have to feel somewhat guilty, is that the word that came out, listening to today because, well, quite frankly, she's not quite politically correct enough for the current uh, stuff that is acceptable or supposed to be acceptable within liberal or within that, that's, that area, that spectrum of the Democratic Party, within the liberal spectrum, which basically is kind of imbuing and, and informing everybody else who's not Trumpian Republican. And, and just to drive the point home, Richard went and, and uh, pulled up footage of her from a show she had done in San Francisco about 20 years ago. 
we were we were on the floor crying. It was it was that hilarious. But she was going after Indians, not not Native American Indians, but Indian Indians, you know, Southern Asian Indians, making jokes about people, but doing them in that in that just absolutely over-the-top way that is just absolutely funny. And I can remember being able to laugh at stuff. I'm married to an Indian woman. Both of us were laughing our brains out looking at this, but both of us also realized, as did everyone else sitting in the living room watching this, we all realized that somehow this stuff that was funny to us then was now verboten. It was in the realm of political correctness, you couldn't do this. We can't, you're not allowed to make fun of anyone or anything. And it's been overarched and taken over by another word, not even politically correct. There is this, the term that would be used would be that you're not, you are basically Woke. That that is, is isn't that the word that's being used? Which, which to me is a word that I've had a tremendous amount of difficulty with because I have no damned idea what it actually means. I finally looked up what the what the, uh, the the genesis of the word was, and apparently it came from writings from the 1940s or 50s. Well, some some smart. Uh, you know, op, you know, uh, oppo type research person uh, in, I guess, working for DeSantis or Trump or somebody, figured out that that word woke. It just had that that gutsy, nasty sound to it, and decided to redefine it so that it described anything that sounded as though it was being forced through a, a small tunnel in terms of what you were allowed to say and how many things were not allowed to be said. And of course, it began with racial education. That was a great place to start it. But it's, but it's, it's become, it's metastasized into this word that kind of covers anything you're not allowed to say because of your liberal affiliation. Or, or, or the way you would restrict yourself, or the things that you're not supposed to do, uh, or, or, or if you want to, if you're coming from the other side, if you want to insult something that a, a, a alleged lib is saying, you say, "Oh, that's so damn woke." Or if you want to, if you want to put a fine edge on the fact that someone is 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 taking offense at something you said, I'm that's woke. I don't care about. I don't want to have anything to do with woke. Woke, woke has become, and I and I and I give it political kudos. It's a brilliant use of a term that basically says anyone and anything that is anything but politically orthodox and is so conscious, self-consciously aware of not offending anybody and so neutral, it's all woke and it's an unnatural thing. It's a completely constrained and forced thing. It's a brilliant, brilliant political um, strategy. 
and a brilliant use of a term, and it's, it's gotten into the lexicon in a way that it, it goes well beyond what it could have ever meant when it was being used back in the 1940s and 50s. It went, and of course, it always, always has as its foundation the, the refusal of the, uh, of the right to allow uh, any kind of you know, reasonable discussion of race and other matters in America because, well, that's woke. You know, no, 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 you, you, you know, you, you, we don't talk about that stuff because that's, that, that's old and it didn't happen and, it, and it's just not, has no, it's all woke. It's this all-encompassing word that means everything and, quite frankly, nothing. And that's the point. You see, it's, it's a dividing line. But we found ourselves over at my friend Richard's house after his show, which we all enjoyed tremendously, and, and we found ourselves watching Judy Tenuta being about as unwoke as a human being could be. And, and there was this, oh, I don't want, it, there, there, no, there was no identity crisis. We were laughing our asses off. But there was, there was this, this moment of sort of pulling yourself up and pulling yourself back and say, wait a minute, am I no longer allowed to find Judy Tenuta, who, by the way, who passed away, uh, who passed away two years ago? She was only in her 60s. Uh, well, in any event, that's another story. Richard, well, he knew her well. But, but the... Uh, Am I not allowed to find this stuff funny? Do I do I risk do I risk uh, decertif decertification of my otherwise liberal credentials? Do I do I put myself up to uh, to to ridicule and, and and am I subject to all sorts of uh, Things that I that I, I, I oh please please must must I do penance must I genuflect must I ask how many you know how how long must I wear sackcloth and ashes in order to get past this because if I if I am even the slightest bit unwoke I I, I will no longer be uh, permitted my liberal that's that's how nuts this has gotten. And it covers a lot more territory. What, what, it's really, it's, what it's really emblematic of is this ridiculous thing where we are forcing ourselves into these absolute, the furthest corners, the furthest polar opposites that we can possibly push ourselves into in this country politically, and, and of course it, it spills over into every other aspect of your life. But, but the absurdity of this polarization based on what I'm allowed to find funny, among so many other things, that just struck home, and I said, and frankly, my reaction to it as we were having this conversation about wokeness and everything, and everybody was saying the same thing. I don't give a damn about this woke stuff. That's funny. We're enjoying it. And it came down to screw woke. Why? How? Not because I, I it, it, the, the very issue of having to take a position 
about how you feel and what you're allowed to find funny and what someone else will be able to point a finger at you about is as politically absurd and unrealistic as anything I could, as, 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 as Donald Trump's credentials as a Democrat back when. I mean, this is nuts. I have no reason to relate to wokeness or unwokeness one way or the other. I don't give a damn about it. I can care about what maybe is being taught in schools. I can talk about the stupidity of denying people the right to learn about their education, but extending this outward into everything that I I'm allowed to consume what I'm allowed to find funny, what I'm allowed to think and say. No, I, I, I hereby, and I, I, I'm making an announcement to the world is, is whatever small percentage of the world this might matter to, that I am absolutely unbound from and have nothing to do with woke. I don't care about woke. I am basically a center-left Democrat. I am not a hyper-liberal. I am as far from Republican, but my, but my lack of perfect woke credentials does not discredit or, or disenfranchise me from the Democratic Party, from Democratic candidates, from Democratic lawmakers, from knowing the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. My wokeness doesn't matter one way or the other. And anyone who feels that they have to be woke or unwoke or is even using that as a consideration is simply falling into somebody else's political trap. And it's a trap that gets set again and again. We, we, we have had this happen repeatedly in this era of, of, uh, of, of basically counter-baiting one another uh, one way or the other, to f find all of these cultural, the, this cultural war that has to be initiated. It's, it, typically, it's been the Republicans. Again, I give, them, I give them credit. It's nefarious, it's ugly, it's bleh. But okay, it's the Republicans, or what passes as Republican. It's not really Republican. It's Trumpian these days. There is no Republican Party. The, 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 the capacity to bypass all other responsibility for legislation, for all of the you know, moral leadership, for leadership of any kind, for ethics, you know, for historical uh, adherence to constitutional principles. You get past all that real fast when you simply find a way to drive everybody into their respective corners and keep them there. And woked is just another one of those terms. And, and in the end, when you realize, well, okay, now I've chosen my side for whatever the particular political, politically correct or cultural war issue is, if it's transgender kids, if it's whatever, whatever the hell, whatever the hell the Republicans are throwing out there, the unrepublicans are throwing out there in order to avoid everything else that a political party is supposed to be and do, 
simply to have a basis for grievance. Again, this is, this is, this is Trumpism, grievance over everything. How come you're making us do this? Why do we have to teach these people that? Why do we have to do blah, 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 on and on? And all of it outside of the realm of doing what parties are supposed to do, which is govern. Yeah, imagine that. And if you're, if so, if all you're busy doing is driving people into corners, the odds are you're not governing. And Republicans aren't. I mean, look what's happening in the House of Representatives, beginning with the 15 votes to get this, 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 this spineless nothing, this McCarthy thing, this giver away of government, <laughs> giver away of, of government footage uh, to Tucker Carlson. This, this is supposed to be a Speaker of the House. This guy is supposed to be, rep this guy is the successor of Nancy Pelosi? of Tip O'Neill and, 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 and everyone down, uh, please, give me a break, will you? I mean, really, this is not governing. It's so, if, you know, the, the, the terrible, and I'll be here, here I'm going to be very unwoke. The old bad jokes, you know, those who can't do teach, those who can't teach, teach Jim. Terrible, but it got a good, a, a few laughs and everything. And it even got laughs from teachers who basically could sit there and knowing people they work with realize that there was some truth to all of that. But th those who can't govern divide. And that's exactly what we have going on here. Now, more than just the annoyance of all this and more than the obvious pandering to this largely, a this one-third of the country that still believes that Donald won the election and is willing to suck up anything like this that comes out just to, A, feed their sense of need for grievance, and B, their sense of differentiation. Anything to differentiate themselves from the libs, which I guess is the general term that would describe anybody in any area of the Democratic Party. Uh, th these people, essentially, this third, is the driving force behind whatever counts as the Republican Party, and of course, is the has a great influence on how Democrats have to structure their political activities. Uh, I don't know that it's structure, not structuring their governance activities, but running political campaigns certainly uh, it, it requires people to be aware of these people, and and they've gotten accustomed to something, the Trumpians, the these uh, unwokies, I, I don't know what the hell you want to call them. They've gotten used to the light of day, which they never had before. They've gotten used to a sense of empowerment. You could see that in what happened with the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the Matt Gateses and the control they had in basically getting uh, McCarthy uh, or not getting McCarthy his speakership for 15 damn votes and the insanity. Matt Gates went, was quoted as saying, there's nothing else for him to give away. We may as well vote him in or words to that effect. 
this this is what everything is is down to it's down to power it's down to favor it's down to what i can do what you can't do and it doesn't have anything to do with ideals or ethics or 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 basically political philosophy or frankly governance of any recognizable sort and it goes beyond just the day-to-day -day stupidity. And, and, and this is the danger of, I mean, not that there isn't such an apparent danger when there is no governance, there's only grievance. That's all. It's grievance in, pay, in place of governance. Okay. But the, the, the real danger is in something that, well, so much was sacrosanct back in the day, uh, one of the most sacrosanct principles was all politics ends at the water's edge. If you're, if you're old enough, or if, if you've read a book, and if, you've, if you have any kind of history, knowledge of history, this has been a major, major uh, tenet of all, uh, of all constitutional uh, footings and, 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 and of all persuasions, of all political persuasions within the Constitution, I would say going back to the end of, certainly the end of the Second World War, in the last 75 years, all politics ends at the water's edge. Why? Because we lived, especially in the Marshall Plan, in an era where there had to be affiliations with other nations, and as we got into the Cold War, there had to be a sense on the part of other nations of the world that the United States would be a consistent player and partner in the way the world had been reshaped after World War II. And that it became apparent, basically, to all players on all sides that to, to basically use international politics as a vehicle for fighting internal political battles was a losing, losing proposition because it left the world with the sense that America could not be depended on to fulfill or to maintain a position and, and a leadership and a strength, and especially because America was, is the, well, we're supposed to be the leaders of the free world. I'm not sure what that means anymore, but essentially we are the leaders of the free world. Russia has reminded us once again what a free and unfree world is like. But you, 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 cannot, you cannot just change your international uh, uh, policies based on the, political, the internal political whims on, and on any particular election cycle. We, we learned this. We learned this right from, from, from Harry Truman upward. We, we, we got it. After, with Roosevelt, we, we, we were formulating it, well, with, with four different, with four Roosevelt terms, Franklin Roosevelt terms, and of course the Second World War, this began to congeal, it began with the end of the Depression, and we began to realize as we came into the Cold War that the notion of just 
ping-ponging our our international positions together with just just painting it as another name on the ping-pong ball that is the American political system internally is not good for international standing. It's lousy for the sense of security of other nations. It sucks when it comes to international financial markets. You don't know where things are going. And you may agree or disagree with a particular international policy, but you, you work with it consistently. You may work with it internally. You may work with it to change it behind, behind closed doors, but you do not make a political statement about international policy for the sake of driving your side to one, create a grievance, a woke equivalent grievance, for the sake of basically gaining political position and just basically giving the base something else to chew on and red meat spit up over because and not understanding anything about or anything substantive about what it is they're chewing on. They just know that this is what defines us and what we are is the opposite of whatever the libs are. So, since that whole notion of politics stopping at the water's edge has basically been eschewed and thrown away with everything else the Republicans have thrown away about uh, historical, uh, you know, uh, obligations and, 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 and ethics and, and everything else and morals and constitutionals. Since that's gone, we were treated to something fascinating uh, in the last, I, I, I guess, is, is it in the last 24 hours? Ron DeSantis, uh, did a did a uh, a campaign? Well, a non camp He hasn't declared yet, but sort of a non-campaign uh, pronouncement on whatever. And I'm not sure if this was if it was specifically on this topic or not. But Ukraine was in there, and what essentially he said was, the current situation in Ukraine is a territorial dispute, a territorial dispute between Russia and Ukraine, and is really not something that, it, it's just, it, it's distracting and it's costly, and it's something that the United States really should not be involved in. The invasion of Ukraine by Russia, invasion, has been, has been diminished, has been demoted by DeSantis. And by the way, Trump did a similar statement on this in a, in a speech in Iowa the other day, well, he, where he was knocking DeSantis, by the way, for what it's worth. Um, it, there's no longer an invasion here. It is a territorial dispute so that what the Biden administration has committed to, the defense of NATO, NATO solidarity in basically supporting Ukraine to basically repulse as nearly as possible, to kick out as much as possible, to ultimately be in the best negotiating position to have, I would hope, a good negotiated peace, but not at the expense of giving away a third of Ukraine, and, and, and basically, uh, 
knowing that that if we take away NATO and United States assistance here, Ukraine will basically collapse as a nation. And what will happen after that is is pretty apparent given where Putin seems to be headed. And frankly, the notion that some people still put up as, no, this is just about Ukraine, nothing more. I honestly, considering how, how, how Putin has gone ahead and handled this and all of the killing that's gone on and basically the, the wanton destruction and the destruction of the infrastructure, th this is not what you do when you have a political uh, score to settle it. No, it's what you do when you have a country that you claim is yours because they're really us. Ukrainian is too much like Russian to begin with, and basically that's been a claim forever. We really, Ukrainians, you really are Russians. You just don't know it. And by the way, you know, my, my ability to maintain my power, says Putin, basically rests with my ability to go ahead and to hold on to you and, and, and basically to now wave sabers back at the, at the rest of NATO and, and all this other stuff. Well, all of Western Europe and the United States and most of the world gets this scenario understands that Putin is not some innocent player who has simply gone out and has had a territorial dispute with the Ukrainians. No, you don't send in 200,000 people in a territorial dispute to resolve. Just, it's a simple, it's a, you know, we're not, no, you don't invade another country. You just don't. Okay, so that's, that's not how you hit. Well, the Minsk Accord, the Minsk Accords were being violated before the ink dried. Uh, by both sides, by the way. So this is not how it's done. If anything, there should be, and there's going to have to be some kind of a negotiation, because if it doesn't go to negotiation, it'll go to nuclear war. There's nowhere else to go. Moscow will eventually find itself in a position where militarily it can't, it can't make any greater gains, provided the West and NATO hold on, and some kind of a negotiated settlement, which the Ukrainians are going to have to accept also. That's how this thing ultimately ends. And there will be, you could forget, I, I think you could forget, forget Crimea. Crimea will belong to the Russians. Crimea was uh, part of Russia for the longest damn time. Khrushchev gave it away back to Ukraine uh, during, uh, basically as a, uh, it was part of his claim to power. He used it as an internal uh, negotiating mechanism, but it was, Crimea had, already, had always been largely Russian. That's, that's, that's a lost cause. The Donbass basically is going to have to become a quasi, and I, and I, and I quote uh, a guest on our show here, uh, Charles Webble, Dr. Webble, it's going to be a quasi-Quebec-like structure, a quasi-independent uh, quasi, uh, kind of a structure that basically allows it to be functionally or technically uh, Ukrainian, but with uh, a lot of uh, self-defined Russian elements within it, or parts of Donbass will have to be that way. And and this is and in the end, in the end, knowing that you probably could go to the negotiating table at this moment and begin those negotiations. Now, for all I know, maybe some geniuses reasonable, rational people behind the scenes have already figured this out. Maybe the whole damn thing is on paper already. 
but a bunch of little boys with guns are out there and they're going to have to kill and destroy one another a little bit longer because it makes for internal political good sense. Okay. That's, that's, that's what's happening there. But what's happening here is something that is, I, I consider unforgivable. And that is that, that uh, the Republicans are now openly, openly turning an international situation, a commitment of the United States involving other nations, involving our relationships, involving things that people depend on us for. They're turning it into a political potential. It's, it's, it's a contingency of the United States. It's, it's a contingent position depending on whether or not we take over power. Say, so far, DeSantis and Trump. No, you know, this, this is just, it's a territorial dispute. What? And we really shouldn't be involved in it. It's, it's, it's their problem. What, what does that tell NATO, Russia, China, and it's in its situation and how it, how it focuses on what Russia is doing, what the rest of the world is doing. What does it tell, what does it tell anyone with a financial link or interest in anything going on there? What does, it tell, what does it tell energy markets? What does it tell military planners? It says to everybody that all of these plans that we have and all of these structures that bind us together, which are voluntary but, but, but common interest structures like NATO, are totally dependent on the whim of the American political system, which, thank you, Repub what war Republicans, has now decided that the only way it can function is to be completely polar opposite. And that includes our international treaties and obligations. This is insanity. This is immoral. This is sick. This is wrong. And what would you do? What would you do if you were NATO and you're watching a potential candidate and you're watching Trump and you're saying, well, wait a minute, if, if, if either of these Republicans got in, I mean, Trump was trying to disband NATO. NATO now was at its strongest, its strongest level in the last 30 years, in its most active form. If, if, if Trump gets in, are we going to suddenly, does all Americans support, and that means we have, to, we have to fold in. That means Ukrainian support goes away. That means the Russians can get, get it into their heads now that if they'll just hang in there for two years and help Trump again, as the Mueller report told us they did, and it was never prosecuted by the Justice Department, who the hell knows why, even after Trump was gone. That's, that's for another story. If I just hang in there and they change administrations, there will be a, a polar shift in the international position of the United States. Now, that means I start taking bets. Maybe, maybe I hedge my bets. If I'm hedging my bets, do I keep my commitment? If I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm France 
and I do I keep my NATO commitment as high as it can possibly be for the next two years, or do I kind of begin to pull back? Do I start saying, well, it, because if the U.S. decides to pull out of this, and much, forget about supporting Ukraine, if the U.S. decides that it doesn't want to support NATO, period, well, where the hell am I? What are we doing? Shouldn't I simply be reinforcing my own internal structure because that which joins us as Europeans will now be reduced primarily down to the economic? Do we, or, or do we somehow have a joint military structure that doesn't have to be, that, that no longer has as, as its major focus the protection of the eastern flank of the European Union? a la Poland, a la the Ukrainian border. How, do, how does that affect my budgeting? How does it affect my planning? How does it affect my attitude towards the United States? How does that have economic and military repercussions? How does that affect my affiliations with other countries around the world? And how do I plan for two polar opposite situations, depending on which way the wind blows in the United States? Because we know that all the Republicans are doing is sticking their finger in the air and up their asses and saying, which way can I get the base to go with me? How can I give them another turn anything, how can I turn an international situation into a culture war issue that will give me an advantage over my democratic opponent and I don't give a, I don't give a rat's ass about what the hell this will do to America, much less the world. What do you do when you're looking at that situation from the outside and you're trying to plan the defense and the economic strength of your own country? I turn it around. What, what would we do? What would America do if we had to depend on uh, Germany and France and, uh, and Belgium? Uh, if we had to look at their uh, uh, military planning and activities and, 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 and change everything around based on that? We might be able to go a bit stronger and longer, basically using our, our own resources. But if we didn't have the support of NATO right now, would we be able to support Ukraine, which would mean Russia would come in and take over Ukraine, which would mean that would change the Chinese position on this. What, you see the insanity of this. There's no way that I can see to basically, what? You, you can't walk up to a DeSantis or a Trump and say, Guys, please stop using our international position as a battering ram. You know, don't use this as just so that you can feed something to the... I mean, do you understand God... Ron, Don, Don Ron, do you understand... Oh no! Wait, that's right, Don Ron. Ron, you're 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 a, you're an Ivy League educated guy. You're of course you're bright. Of course you understand this stuff. You understand the historical significance of of all politics ends at the at the water's edge. But do you do you understand the personal risk you take now? Do you understand that if you keep playing the game you're playing right now? Basically, 
your, your, the, do, you, do you appreciate the danger? Or have you allowed your own sense of power and strength to basically overrule any mental reservations you could have or should have had about taking a position as stupid as the one you're taking right now. I, I have to assume the latter. I have to assume, A, that a DeSantis is a smart enough guy to understand why politics have to stop at the ocean's edge, why basically this statement about Ukraine is about as irresponsible a statement as a human being could make, and what would happen in the event that he went ahead if somehow he won the presidency and went ahead and turned around and reversed everything and said, we're no longer supporting NATO. What that would do with the internal American military, how people would react to this, all of the things that would go bonkers and haywire just so you could give red meat to the base in order to feel another grievance. They're giving my money over there, and it's not even our problem. Of course it's our problem. The world is an issue. We are part of it. We have been leaders of it in many, many ways, and we must continue to be that right now because there are others who would take our place to our detriment. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, is, 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 is a touch of American hegemony or having a, 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 a tilt towards the continuation of America, is, is, that, is there a woke component to that? I don't know. But we need it. I think we do. Does that make me, am I less liberal? Am I more likely to, uh, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I have to see which way the wind blows for Trump and, and for DeSantis on that one. I have no doubt, sitting here on the 14th of March of 2023, that in November of 2024, there will be a Democratic victory in the presidency. That if Joe Biden decides to run, and appears he will, he will defeat either DeSantis or Trump. That between now and then, the two of them, Trump via, God help us, please get the man in prison already, get him indicted or something. DeSantis, in an effort to be the, the uh, you know, another, you know, Trump, Trump, Trump lighter, Trump B, or I don't know what the hell he's trying, will basically find himself in the same position as everybody, and anyone else, and, and if... Who knows, Nikki Haley or Mike Pompeo somehow emerged out of this morass and got out there, their affiliation with Donald. But the Republicans probably are going to keep doing what they've been doing for the last several cycles, lose. Okay, and, and we'll find ourselves in a situation where I guess our European allies would, would breathe a sigh of relief. But in the meanwhile... To, to, to throw this level of uncertainty into the world for the sake of a political advantage rather than actually dealing with real issues. When everything else, when, when, when Ron DeSantis is either woke and everything falls under some kind of a woke cultural war issue, that's everything he does, even down to getting uh, permitless carry of, of weapons. They're trying to get that in Florida so that anyone with, that, with no permit can carry a gun. Just come on into Florida. Insanity, sheer insanity. 77% of the people of Florida are against it. Doesn't matter. It's a, 
it's 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 a culture war issue. It's a it's a uh, you could put it vaguely under wokeness, I guess. Oh, guns are great, man. Anyone who doesn't want a gun is all woke. I, I don't know. Something nuts along those lines. If if the only thing they can come up with in substantive politics is to challenge an international treaty of the United States. They are undeserving, he is undeserving, Donald Trump obviously is undeserving of the presidency. How to convince these people to go in a different direction? They may very well. If, if, if somehow the polling on this isn't what they expect it to be, they may very well back away from it. Donald can back away from everything and anything in a heartbeat. Ron, if he's trying to be another, you know, Donald Lighter, I don't know, Donald Heavy, I have no idea. Well, again, just take a poll. Is, is, is this one sticking? Is, is, is calling Ukraine and Russia, oh, is calling it a territorial dispute? Is, how, how is that playing with the red meat base? The people who have no idea of the implications, all they know is that it's another cultural issue, that it's a differentiation with the libs. How is that playing? Oh, and not, not that great. Ah, I'll, I'll change it again. Do... Does the rest of the world, do our allies as NATO go, whoosh, well, they changed their position, I feel so much better? Or is it, oh my God, they can change a position that easily? Yeah, that, that, that's where we're at. On Tuesday morning, uh, the 14th of March, 2023, with the stupidity and the insanity and the, and, and, and the utter callous disregard for the safety and for the true, for the true fundamentals that keep America a, a superpower, the superpower it has to be. That's what we're getting from the Republican candidates for president right now. A lot more is going to happen between now and the election. But if this is any indication, it's just going to be another other forms of because remember if, if the premise is it has to be a division it has to be some way that we are divided well that will the the the, the basis for that the 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 the, the, the elements that are divisible over will have to become that much more grievous and ugly and and major it's and and just things that are just so so viscerally differentiating, it'll just be that much uglier going forward. It'll be over maybe some other international stuff. I don't know. It'll be over anything that you can find. Maybe it'll be over people with, uh, with, with buck teeth or something. I don't know. And, and, and anything that is, I don't know what. I don't know what they can go for. They're gonna, they're gonna, but they'll go for anything. Anything that differentiates a lib from a, from a Trumpian, which is ridiculous. I'm sorry, I think Judy Tenuta's hilarious. Rest in peace, Judy. And I don't care if anyone says, well, you know, that's a very unwoke way or, or I'm supposed to, or what side of woke I'm supposed to be on. I don't give a damn. I know, though, what the responsibility of this country is, and I know what I, what I know in my heart, what I believe the responsibility of, of governance and, and governing politicians is. And I know that what goes by the name of Republican right now has basically defiled 
all elements of, 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 uh, of good governance to a point that I've never seen in my life. Now, where that leaves us as we go forward, I don't know. But we'll keep talking about it. And we hopefully you'll think about it. And think about it enough so that you don't have to think about it from a perspective of grievance. You could think about it from a perspective of what is best for the United States. What is best in terms of good governance? What is best in terms of how we move this country forward in a positive way? How we evolve upward, positively. How the planet evolves upward and positively. Very different from what some thoughtless people seem to be uh, attempting to do right now for their own personal power because they don't know what else to do and because the opportunity affords itself. We'll keep watching and looking and reporting. Oh, and commenting anyway. I, I don't know. I, I, no, I'm a commentator. I like it. And I'm glad you're listening. A little jazz.
Hi, this is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The notion that politics stops at the water's edge is not some charming anachronism. It is a logical conclusion to draw based on the leadership position of the United States and what could happen in the rest of the world if there is this sense that America can change on a dime with its political fortunes. We cannot allow that to happen.